Welcome back, everyone. We're uh, recording again, finally. It's been a long, long time, so sorry to everyone about that. We're still not even all of us, but eh. <laughs> yeah, we're tried. I mean, yeah, busy, busy, uh, out of the country, yep. uh, it's all over the place. Packs, like I, it's been like what two weeks since packs? Yeah, it's been it's been a month. It's been a month, man. Wait, it's been life a goes yeah. by really fast, oh, and man, yeah, somehow. Somehow we just haven't all got in the same place at the same time, and, and that is, you know, our fault. So we're sorry about that in advance. Yeah. But hey, we're here now. We're gonna start getting back to it, and we can get that good, good, sweet podcast juice to you. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> as as a reminder, since it's been so long, uh, I'm Carlo. Yes. Uh, I guess I'm Christine, and I am Zach. Uh, so welcome back. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in once again. And uh, yeah. yeah, it has been a month since PAX, but we haven't talked about PAX. So let's get the fuck into it, boys. <laughs> boys. And girl. Listen, <laughs> it's very tired and it's been too long. Who are you again, Christine? No one. I'm no one. Yeah. Fade <laughs> into the darkness. Uh, yeah, so I figured we'd just talk a little bit about our impressions of PAX, just for a short time, sort of start out with that, give us a little bit of a warm up. Uh, and t- talk about you know our PAX awards and stuff like that. Whether we, that quote be, unquote awards, quote more unquote just awards, like really lengthy co- like title commentary, snide remarks, achievements, hot takes. Indeed. So I have a list here. I can sort of start us out if that's all right with you folks. Please yeah. go. I have no list. Excellent. Uh, so the uh, indie game that was like very much in development that could be the most fun party game is Steeplechase. This was one that I played at the Seattle Indie Games Expo uh, that was sort of, it reminded me of like a very, very simplistic version of Speedrunners, only sort of mixed with a little bit of that like Octodad Surgeon Simulator thing where it's sort of deliberately very difficult to control. So Um, local multiplayer? Local multiplayer up to eight people. Uh, it was on, they were using like Super Nintendo controllers, but I believe mm. it can... Is it on the Switch? I believe it's on the Switch. Uh, it's pretty much one of those things where, yeah, it, it was an endless runner, but the last yeah. person on the screen survives. It's difficult to control, but, it, and you know, people were fucking each other over constantly, yeah. which... Well, that's how you do it. Yeah, made it, uh, there were a lot of people just screaming so like, constantly, like which made it very fun. So like speedrunners with more of a Mario Kart-esque randomness added into it yeah, yeah. you're gonna say gang beasts i would say yeah oh. that's that's both of those are i think fair <sighs> comparisons anyway i thought it was pretty fun i'm excited to see where it goes but it was clearly very early in development uh next award that i have is the game that so desperately needs multiplayer and it will be amazing but if it doesn't have multiplayer i will not buy it and that is what the golf which is another indie game that i played yeah which could best be described as a golf game that is fucking bizarre in every way, shape, or form. I mean, you are... Okay, so, like, the entire time, the mechanics of, like, typical golf games, you, you are you are performing that. You'd kind of do the little pullback, yeah. and you, you shoot. You pull back, you hit the ball. Yeah. There's the golf game. Uh, in this case, you pull back, and sometimes you hit the ball, 
and sometimes, sometimes quite literally the ball hits you and your guy goes flying to the hole instead or of the you ball. you throw a bunch of like a bunch of golf clubs at something or you start throwing a card it's like it's almost very warioware esque yeah it if you are listening and you are a dev on this game please 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 add a multiplayer have it be a race to the hole because that will be chaotic and fun, Race and I will actually be able to play it oh, more man, than once. I can't once. wait! I can't wait for the task runs on AG, AGDQ on that. <laughs> like that was gonna be fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Just like yeah, we, we we decided and we found out like if you t- throw this golf play call up exactly in this position and then click here and drag back, you can now like you know <laughs> manipulate the velocity of the vault of the golf club and immediately skip to the last stage. Like what the fuck? Yes. Perfect. So, the game that really made me want to play Hotline Miami, even though I'm terrible at it, and the minute I pick up Hotline Miami, I don't like it, is Blood Roots. This is another indie game that I was enjoying six. a lot. Was it 6? Or uh, this out in the expo, or was yeah, it? Uh, this one pass? was at just, like, the indie game's uh, mega booth. Okay. This And very much like kind of a Hotline Miami, you go into a room, you beat up enemies and kill them, but much easier than... Uh, much easier than Hotline Miami, but very similar sort of style. Really yeah. fun. I had a I had a blast playing it, and it was sort of a fun game to just watch other people play too. So what what made it? What did you like about this that you don't typically like with Hotline Miami? Uh, so with Hotline Miami, it is a little bit harder, and the few times I've sort of tried to get into it, I, I need to spend more time with Hotline Miami to really yeah. get to a level of skill where I feel like I'm progressing and. To this point, I haven't really had the patience to do that. Whereas with Blood Roots, I was able to just sort of jump in and within, you know, a room or two, sort of figure things out and really yeah. get into a position where I was actually, actually able to play the game. You were and- making progress. It wasn't as like like I feel like with Hotline Miami, it's almost like borderline rhythm game mm-hmm. where it's just you're just so <laughs> frantic. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I really liked about it is there were a lot of very creative kill opportunities. Like there was a thing where you could like run on a wheel, like a giant rock wheel and sort of run on it and have it crush your enemies. And there were a lot of creative ways to interact with the environment that way. And I thought that made it also, it made it feel like that similar kind of like fast paced brawler kind of yeah. deal. But, you know, much more accessible and, again, much a lot of, like, creative stuff to work with that was like, all right, this is this makes me have to think about the environment in a really different way than you get with Hotline Miami, yeah. where it's pretty mm-hmm. much just, all right, how do I enter this room and kill? Is it coming to the Switch? I don't know. I haven't actually. See, I feel like, I, like I just have to, to ask, like, every single time. I it's know. like I, I, I actually, like, when I was at PAX, I was just kind of so surprised at how many games were actually coming out on Switch. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a it's lot. It's ridiculous. But and then there's a few that aren't that make me so sad. Yeah, there was, a, there was a game that we all looked at that I remember that was the first thing we asked the dev. We were like, is this coming to Switch? And we were like, no. And it was like, what was why? that? Uh, it was called The King's Fall or The King's oh. something like that. Uh, it was a, a very much an endless runner, but really okay. cool art style. It's, yeah. Uh, very... Like very momentum based. Oh wait, was it, yeah. Was it the one that like you kind of flew around or like mm-hmm. had the momentum one? And oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was like a really beautiful game. Very beautiful, and I remember saying I want to play this on the bus, and mm-hmm. but sadly it was not coming to the Switch, which yeah. was very surprising. 
Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm really sad. Donut County is not on the Switch. <laughs> I'm so what so is sad Donut about County? it. Donut County. It's adorable, fun thing. It, ha- it basically you have a raccoon who you know like gathers. Oh things. wait, yeah. never mind. I know what this they is. They had like I the best. Seen... They had like the best free pin. Okay, technically, I won't. So my two favorite pins that they gave out at the expo this year, <laughs> because of course <laughs> I, I I collect pins, um, is you had the the realtor raccoon from Overcooked at level five, and then you had Annapurna had Donut County yeah. an adorable raccoon yeah, Annapurna king, and it was amazing. It's such a cute pin. And Big fan of the raccoons yeah. this year, aren't you, Christine? I I, I love raccoons. Well, like my that, trash pandas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that the way that game just like moves is like it's like kind of like that same addicting movement you get from game geese mm-hmm. where it's just like it just looks so ridiculous that it's like like i'm like 100 percent for it yep the movement oh, yeah. of the characters by itself is funny uh so the weirdest experience i had and this is a two-part award one weirdest experience i had and game that should absolutely not have been on the show floor. Monster Energy Booth. No. <laughs> no. Uh, this is a game called Lust for Darkness. That is. Oh, a, wait. I remember this. Yeah. So it's a. Holy shit. It is a horror game, sort of. Uh, and they had the demo there. And as I was playing it, I was like, all right, it's a point and click horror game. There's some elements of, like, you know, various sort of sexual elements in kind of an H.R. Geiger, H.P. Lovecraft kind of way where there's some elements of that, but it's not really necessarily a primary focus until about five minutes into the game, you walk through a curtain and all of a sudden you're in the middle of an orgy. And it is a very explicit, very graphic orgy where I was just uh, suddenly in the middle of it. And I was like, there is a lot of children uh, near me there many, are a many. lot of children um, I this game should not be here and I should not be playing this on the show floor but also I have to get through this room or some eight-year-old is going to look up from the floor I mean, and be like just, you could oh have, god you could have just like all that forward <laughs> I, I mean, the ironic thing is there were games I really want to just be able to watch on screen instead of wait for the demo for that you couldn't see the screen for. Like yep. Pokemon Let's Go. Yeah. yeah but that, you mm. sh- no one should have seen this. I remember I was behind you for a little bit of that. And I was like, we can't use this footage. No, it yeah. was like, okay, no, it was really explicit. And it was like, uh, your game may be great and all, but yeah. I will immediately, I'm but like, not going to play this. I'm I, sorry. I, yeah. For some reason, that kind of reminds me of, what was that like really like stupid grotesque problematic steam game that was like sort of like tried to be like doom but then had just like was like really like borderline misogynistic probably blocked it from my memory yeah like just i mean that's what it kind of reminded me of in the sense that it's just like very shock factory and like past that like i don't know how much how much interest i would have had in a game like that there's a lot of games that play off the shock factor and eh, uh, they don't appeal to me yeah uh, the game that uh, just made me want to dig up all of my old RTSs and then ultimately I ended up just buying was Frostpunk. I had played... Or oh, I, yes! I love Frostpunk. I had heard about it from you guys. I'd, fi- <laughs> I'd forgotten about it and then they had it at PAX and I played it. I was like, I'm buying this when I get home. This is a really, really fun game. It is rough. I need to play it again in, in winter because then it'll be cold and then I'll feel sad about how it's just cold turn outside. Your and then, yeah, I can yeah, replicate it inside. It'll be great. I mean, it's like bring your laptop outside. But I'll have a cat to warm me up. It's kind of like adding like a radiator, only I don't to feel it. Well, I, you know, feed feed the cats. I guess yeah, that's You cool. feed the cat. You don't, but there's no like 
push your citizens you, you, you to put don't, coal in the reactor. You don't have to decide whether to you save the children or not. <laughs> <laughs> or whether you save them or turn them into child labor. Yeah. Yeah. It's a dark game, but it was definitely, I was having a lot of fun playing it. Granted, yeah. I only played like two levels in the demo time that I had, but it was it's very a good fun. Game. Very it good is game. a very good game. However, the most fun I had playing a game at PAX was Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. I mean, uh, classic. Heard of it before, but actually taking the time to just like play it with random strangers and stuff. Oh, wait, so what, you was, hadn't played uh, it? No, I have. I've played it before. Uh, oh. but, uh, I was like, I could have sworn. Like, I have played it before, but yeah. I was surprised by how well it worked with random strangers. Oh, yeah. It was, that was sort of the most fun I had was just like somebody walking up and being like, oh, can I play? And then mm-hmm. being like, sure, we've got somebody on this end here, let's trade off. And yeah. just having to communicate that way was a lot more fun than yeah. I thought it would be. You, so, you yeah. definitely have like a very fo- like focus, right? It's like co-op and it's like super easy to drop into. Yep. Yeah, I think my two favorite games for like constant communication with your like co-op people is, yeah, keep talking and then undercooked too. Or overcooked too. Oh. I'm sorry. It I'm is so not tired. undercooked. Well, it, well, sometimes, 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 you, sometimes. you can't undercook it. But you yeah, can over- only overcook it. <laughs> you but can you, only light the kitchen on fire. But yeah, but for overcooked and for keep talking, you have to like constantly be talking, communicating. Because if you don't communicate, you're fucked. Yeah, it's or over. You, or you have something like Space Team. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like everyone's trying to communicate, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. So whoops. yeah, that is my games from PAX. Uh, I shall turn the floor yeah. over to you guys. So yeah, uh, one of the indie games that I was really interested in, it's kind of more of like, like it is probably my visual novel of PAX uh, award of like my Aww. favorite visual novel uh, was Disco Elysium. Um, it's like, it's a little, there are a little adventure game-esque parts of it, but it is mostly narrative. Uh, it is like a you. Hmm. It is like a very cyberpunk sort of future, but like instead of kind of it's, it's, instead of putting you in that like future where it's like everything is like oh so glitz and glammy, it's like very downtrodden. It's very much like backwater. You are you're dealing with like the fringes of society. Not everything's pretty, but you you're, you're like you still have you're a detective and you still have to figure these things out. Right. And it's like uh, I only I only spent like a short amount of time. They had an unlimited demo at PAX, which I think is absolutely fucking insane. Because <laughs> there were people just sitting there for like two to three hours, I feel like. That was a problem with a lot of games at yeah. PAX is that they're, they sort of they didn't have like, oh, we're going to have, you know, a three minute demo that we have ready for you. We're going to have just the full game and then you can leave it whenever you're done. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, you need to like it needs to be able to be sort of run through very, yeah. very quick. Yeah, the, so the whole thing with that is, like, I feel like that there's, like, they did that because there was so much narrative to be read, and a lot of it is reading, and then, like, they have a very unique skill system where, like, the, the, your actions obviously feed back into that, and then, like, you can become better at stuff, like, like kind of typical RPG, but more your the actions that you're performing are affecting those opportunities for you to upgrade. Um, uh, it, somehow my phone decided to be Siri, yeah. activate for no... <laughs> hey, hey, Siri. Uh, Moving forward. Uh, sorry, like, okay, Google, hi, Alexa, have fun with that. Carlo, why? <laughs> why would you do this to everyone? The worst. Uh, anyway, do you think we're going to get... Uh, one of the things that I definitely noticed, I probably... I either saw or played more visual novels than anything else. No, I think... And they all kind of just blended together a bit for me. They are becoming the 
roguelike of indie games. Uh, and I say that like by procedurally gener- generated roguelikes for indie games where everyone's just like jumping on the visual novel train right now. And it's because it's honestly, it, it is much easier for somebody that doesn't have necessarily the game design, but has a story that they want to tell and they want to yeah. tell it in a much different medium, right? Than either in a movie or a film, they're like, no, I want to draw these characters out. I want to like go ahead and give you this, these dialogue choices. I want you to be able to fail in some of these dialogue choices and visual novels kind of present a new medium for that yeah it'd be interesting seeing those visual novels in vr sorry yeah i I mean (laughs) i i'm totally supportive of us having a bunch of them because you know but i think we are we are hitting like the battle royale uh overload of visual novels pretty soon yeah i mean also it's kind of unfortunate what was what was tough about it is a convention is not really the best place for a visual novel. No. No. Because, you know, you pretty much how it works is you have five minutes, maybe less, to grab my attention and make me be like, I want this game. And the nature of a visual novel is, you know... You build on store in hours and hours of story. Yeah, yeah. It's just not going to grab you fast enough and so it ended up being that but like there are there are ones that like you know i feel like have come with a good premise right like dream daddy was like perfect in terms of that like stuff and i think another one that was recent this at at this packs was um boyfriend dungeon like yeah like that is so like that would just immediately grabbed me uh, as as a visual novel that I would like like visual novel esque game that just like kind of was like this is so dumb but it's like very remind more of like Hatoful Boyfriend or like some of like the other the more comedic esque like visual novels. If you're interested in it, the concept of it is you are dating your weapons in order to level them up and take on dungeons. Basically, Persona. So if yeah. that is of interest <laughs> to you, Boyfriend Dungeon, go check it out. Uh, yeah. Christine, I'm, I'm sorry. No, yeah. Christine, did what? you have anything from PAX that sort of stuck out to you? Um, I was very exhausted this PAX, so <laughs> um, that was fun. Uh, you know, though, Lily, I did my Lily cosplay, which you, hopefully you'll be able to see some pictures from that. Anyways, not the point. Um, what did I do? I mostly wandered around and just like watched random things and then uh, occasionally collected pins such as don- the Donut County pin trash king. I- that was adorable. <laughs> and then been like, I just... So basically, what I did was I was like, I just want to watch games instead of having to stand in line to play demos for them. So I didn't really play that many demos. I mostly wandered around, just like watched things and briefly passed by. Though I did go to a lot of panels, actually. Yeah, I I didn't really do the same traditional game demoing. But yeah, there was a really awesome panel that was held by um, the project manager behind uh, Monster Prom, which was about Monster Prom and its beautiful fucked up narrative. And it was (laughs) so, so good. Interesting. (laughs) is basically talking about how for like a lot you know how they ended up like going to like a lot of the choices and how they evolved some of those various scenarios and like you know the little tiny tweaks and how they changed their characters from like you know basically just completely unlikable to like having like that unlikable base but actually becoming someone you could actually care about and love which is important in a a dating competition game or a dating game at all um is wonderful i I should see if I can find notes about that. 
Very oh, cool. Yeah. So on somewhat of a more somber note well, than the me, happiness it packs. Oh, wait, uh, wait, well, before wait, wait, wait. that. Oh, Untitled on? Goose Game. Oh, yeah. Untitled <laughs> Goose Game. True. Let's talk really... about Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> that looked real dumb. It was the dumbest the thing I played. But like, but... I like that kind of dumb. Yep. So I like calming dumb. I need more casual, calm, dumb games that I can just like casually torment farmers. And, like you don't have to worry about shit. It's just like that's real. It's real <laughs> dumb. Especially yes. when I'm stressed. I need those games. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, and you know, I can't, I can't let us like segue into something else, <laughs> uh, without throwing some shade, uh, do it. That's so it. it's time battle royale sucks <laughs> uh, with the exception of apparently black ops three. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but it looks good. And I'm like, that scares me. Like, that's actually like, I'm actually terrified that like Activision is going to be putting out a good call of duty game for like the first time in like four years. Yeah. Understood. Uh, but uh, worst battle royale idea that I saw come to fruition at PAX was Dying Light. Oh, uh, I didn't even. I forgot that they that was a battle royale game. Yeah, I, I totally. I forgot didn't know about it was it. a battle royale game until they told me it was a battle royale game, and I was like, "What the fuck? Where's my sec? Where's Dying Light Two? Yeah, like, I don't give a shit about this. Yep. And you you watch it, and you're like, "This is real dumb, and it's gonna be dead in the water." And guess what? It was fucking dead in the water. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing is everyone just wanted Dying Light 2, but I'm guessing it was sort of the what happens when you do you pull a Fortnite and you say, fuck what this game is about. This game is actually about this now. Uh, and it doesn't work. For Fortnite, it worked. It probably won't work for you. I mean, yeah. sometimes it does. I think usually these things are more helpful and beneficial when you're like still like producing it since like donut county has actually been very successful but they changed a lot of the components for their game midway through so i just really i want that game on switch because i want (laughs) to play it so bad i know it's on steam and ps4 but it's just uh. yeah i have (laughs) gotcha anyway yeah like i'm I'm just super mad at those devs right now yeah like okay not mad at the devs i'm dad i'm mad at product like fuck you guys for deciding we need yet another battle royale game. Uh, on on sort of a that sort of note of of sadness and lack of creativity and all of that fun stuff. Uh, we we're, we wanted to talk a bit about sort of game studios closing. Telltale obviously is sort of the Oof. big one that's happened yeah. that this is, week. Uh, probably well, the that's not always lack of creativity. No, yeah. but I yeah. mean, in, in that is the probably the loudest failing of a game studio we've had in a while yeah and but we've also seen a lot of other layoffs or yeah like mini closures um, or you know or like yeah small studios that like were developing games like the dead rising devs Mm -hmm. uh, their studio closed the parent company shut them down potentially because they're not making any money that kind of deal so we're we're gonna sort of break into sort some of why that's happening what what if anything can be done about yeah. it uh what our responsibilities as gamers are you know all of that kind of stuff trying to get into this thing because we want to make sure obviously that there's yeah. lots of game studios doing lots of interesting things out there and if we don't have that then you know we'll be doomed to playing battle yeah. royale for the rest of time oh with loot boxes <laughs> we have some visual novels now we're, we're yeah. good so like, but yeah, like I, I'd like to point like Telltale being that one really awkward position, right? And like when it comes to say, the responsibility of like how we react to that, right? Like or of how we how we like treat those devs and treat the company, right? It's you. You actually have like a mixed mixed bag, right? Like you, 
first you you really want um them to, to like release what was promised right you want the rest of the walking dead you only episode one was really released it sounds like there's some work being done to get like the rest of the season out but, but not the very end though yeah but like and so like right and like like oh they're doing right by you know the people that supported them just giving them the one last raw but then it's like you hear about how badly telltale has treated its employees with lack of like financing and the bad budgeting and kind of like the reason that they're you know financially brain corrupt and basically closing down is because they they fucked up in terms of like their cash flow and it sounded like they didn't acknowledge it until far too late like they were actively hiring they people, were like, growing right so fast yeah it was like stupid fast it's yeah. like how do you how are you guys hiring this many people in this short amount of time well <laughs> and yeah it turns it, out uh they shouldn't have been I mean, it, to some degree, it reminds me a little bit of what happens with movie special effects studios where there's more work than ever, Yeah, but the money isn't coming in. Like in the case of special effects studios, it's that, you know, the movie studios lowball them because mm -hmm. they can get it done for cheap in, yeah. you know, very basically server farms in Taiwan or Australia or things like that. And yeah. so all the, the special effects studios here just get lowballed like crazy mm -hmm. and then they can't make the money to survive. It, yeah. It's a little bit like that only for the price of games to some degree. Yeah. But I, yeah. And I wonder, I wonder, you know, we look at, you look at telltales like catalog of games that just recently came out and like, they had a lot of licensed games. Like, I mean, mo the majority of the games were licensed. Like, I think the only one that really wasn't was, like, The Wolf with, the wolf Within or The Wolf... Mm, uh, I, I can only think of wasn't Bat Within the... Nope, that's Bayonetta. Um, what? what? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, they, like, it was very... The Batman one had a... a I forget which one that was. But yeah, yeah, but, like, that's a li that's licensed, right? Yeah, like, and like, people were anticipating, like, the, the very licensed Stranger Things The one. Wolf Among Us, that's what it was. Wolf Among Us, oh, yes, thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and like, but like, yeah, you were expecting things from these Avenger games, like the Jurassic Park games, the, uh, like all of these licensed games, but like, holy shit, you bombed on all of, almost all of them. Like, I think the only good ones that came out were The Walking Dead and, uh, The Wolf Among Us, which was like their original one that they never followed up on. And then the, uh, what's the, what was it? The Game of Thrones ones I thought weren't bad. They weren't bad? Okay, because yeah. like uh, they, they I were. Mean, I mean, if they didn't, they weren't released to any fanfare like The Walking Dead, right? Like, yeah, certainly The Walking that, Dead were the big ones. Hit that well, level of that. I feel like also oftentimes for games, if they're based off existing like media, like or IP, they often fall a little short. This is kind of to satisfy uh, fans who just kind of want a little bit more of something, whether it's actually a good story yeah, or not. Like good it, stories are good, but yeah, it just seemed that like they picked the wrong franchises at the wrong times, so, like. Batman at that point had you were very you were, we were past like what the Dark Knight and all of that stuff we are already into Arkham Asylum games sucking uh the movies sucking like not a great time to put out a Batman game yeah also Batman was sort of an odd choice as a franchise yeah and then like, like the Avengers one was also odd yeah because I mean let's be real here yeah, as much as I do love me a good like dark detective story for a Batman People aren't going to want to play a Batman game for that. They're going to want to play a Batman to beat the shit out of people. And you have games that do that. Yeah. Like, I can play Arkham Asylum again. I don't necessarily need a Telltale Batman. Yeah, and, like, I, I mean, I, I thought they did a very good job with, like, the Tales of the Borderlands stuff, right? Like, that was apparently very popular and very well-received, but 
Borderlands at like at this point is kind of a dead franchise unless they're actually going to come out with the Borderlands 3 which I'm skeptical of. They're becoming Valve, aren't they? <sighs> Half-Life 3, Half-Life 3. I mean, I don't know cuz Valve never came out with Duke Nukem Forever, so well, fair, fair enough. Uh, you sound so tired. Well, listen, that's uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, Telltale sort of does tell us a little bit though about sort of the nature of what it is to run a game studio right and now. Because some some of the mistakes that happen when you're running a game studio, like yeah, like they there is definitely issues about them the way they treated their workers, right, and mm-hmm. like like that and. There sure have been a hiring freeze. Yeah, and then and like when you look at when you look at that whole thing, it, it also shows how very rough a lot of game devs have it. Where yeah, that you work you are literally there from project to project. Some people were being hired at Telltale thinking they were going to start their game careers because like you know once you get that one game under your belt, it becomes much easier to move around the game industry. But you know, but you still have to sort of deal with this like sort of contractor mentality, which is like very which kind of sucks for the people that work in the game industry. You're no, you're working long hours because of crunch and stuff like that. On top of that, you don't know if you're going to be working at your company as soon as this game finishes. Yep. Like, it's not very reliable. And it's kind of sucky that so many people have to do that. Yeah. It's, you know, some of it as well is, you know, all of a sudden, I, I do think that to some degree, the pricing of it, certainly telltale, really did not need to do what they did but with like all their hiring practices and how they treated their employees i mean just it was it was an unpleasant situation all around and what i was curious though and and this has been a conversation that a lot of people have had is to some degree there's there's been a lot of talk recently about how the price of games has not shifted in you know the base 15 price base price of games hasn't really shifted in 15 20 years and for a game that like a telltale or for something that doesn't have really the infrastructure ability to do a loot box not to say that that's the solution i don't think it is but a lot of game studios don't have the infrastructure ability to be able to handle something like that. Yeah, well, or... also with the age of Steam, where it's kind of expected that you can get games for sale for so much cheaper, like yeah. it's hard for a lot of studios to probably to compete with that. Yeah, then you also have like, yeah, you you have like the concepts of of like these games propping up other games, but like, can you like in this day and age, do you now have to like make your do you have to make your FIFA Ultimate Team in order to fund your other games? Yeah. Is that the only way for... I mean, that's sort of what gets into some of our responsibility as gamers is how how do we make sure that some of the people doing creative stuff are able to make it, you know? Yeah. But then... Let oh, me, yeah. Well, there's so many tricky things for the the thoughts behind creativity and producing yeah. successful and, content. And, like, and it does become difficult at times because, like, you know, trying to say, like, oh, you should be supporting these games over these games is kind of, like... It, it, it kind of like rings falsely sometimes, right? Absolutely. Because like, you know, you're you're saying like, oh, let's just like boycott EA for all of these things, but I'm still going to engage here. But like, at, at, but at the same time, like you're not going to be able to get that experience mm-hmm. elsewhere. So it, it it drives like a hard a hard uh, issue when a lot of the time you can only really buy one game. So you're, you're, li- you're literally just trying to find the best game that you can with your money, right? Yeah. And sometimes that might come from, that might be like that the new Black Ops. 
for you. Yeah, right? absolutely. I, I'm certainly not saying, you know, don't buy a game if yeah. you are wanting to play it. It's just, but, you know, to some degree, I, I mean, certainly Telltale had a lot of business practices that hurt them more than other yeah. studios. But, but to should, some degree... Should, should they have been able to put a $60 price point out for their game? Yeah, and a, a lot question. of people would say... No, they shouldn't because a sixty dollars game is, you know, is a triple A game. Yeah. But yeah. how much I know is so l- many people are upset about like a lot of uh, the Nintendo games because the three S is no longer being as actively supported now that the Switch is here. Like so many people are upset that like you know the Pokemon main series games forty are now goes to be 60, sixty bucks, yeah. including like for Let's Go, which isn't actually like a main series game. It's just a redoing of Red and um, Yellow, which typically yeah. been forties. How much? How much is Life is Strange? Uh, Life is Strange. Uh, I think uh, that's a good question. I think because like th- that's like the arguable closest parallel we have to Telltale at this point. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess you could you could go find the Until Dawn devs. I get that sort of maybe. Yeah. So I could buy Life is Strange right now for twenty bucks, according to Google. Is that two or no? I'm looking up two right now. So Life is Strange two on Steam. Uh, I can get. I can get for ten dollars. <laughs> so ten dollars for the first episode. I'm assuming. Yes. And then I, I'm assuming it is episodic from there, yeah. and it'll continue to be ten dollars. Yeah. A so quick Google you, search doesn't you, tell me anything else, but probably that's my brings assumption. you to fifty if we go by the history of Life is Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I and mean, what Telltale games were going for four? Was it like forty for the pack of five? I believe so. Something like that. I mean, that. like I feel like that's like that's like what I would have guessed it to be, but I don't yeah. know for yeah. sure. It, it feels like that from the Telltale games I played. I, I feel like I spent relatively close to the same amount I would. Pl- pay for other games but i don't know how true that is yeah. that's just the feeling in my head i have about it yeah. yeah and then i guess the expectation of video games now is that like with how big the business is investors are expecting you to be making loot box level profits yeah and you're not gonna it's arguable that you can't do that if you're just selling your game for forty dollars well and for like loot box level pri- prices or you know profits you just need whales you need to have the people who are willing to bite on the extreme costs yeah, yeah. it does feel like there obviously i don't think this is fully the case but it feels like there's starting to be a bit of a missing middle in terms of games like that you have your triple no a no more of the double a midways yeah you've got you know your your triple a your big boys and then you have your indie games and i'm there aren't a lot of sort of that mid level game anymore you know i think that really depends on how you interpret that because i think there's actually a lot of like game studios that you know maybe focus on like only like a couple of games that aren't you know like a ton so like i think when you say like you know since you have um like super giant like they only have like a few games and they're definitely not like indie no no no. i I guess that's true yeah and like i think i made the argument like life is strange isn't indie anymore no that's true and i I guess you know i i still think of I, I guess indie sort of the wrong word because I guess yeah. you could put like people like Team Seventeen in there. They make Overcooked and they make Worms. That's you know pretty much about it. But is that sort of the new middle as opposed to yeah. you know? So it's like it's like you know it does seem like we're coming to a point where there are there are games like and I would even argue that there are some sixty dollar games that fit into that middle category True. now in terms of like just the general like 
sort of roughness right of it like i would say like the divinity series fits right in there and they're going for i think they 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 they're like down lower now right yeah but there cheaper are, there are cheaper, tons the of nintendo games that are like aren't nearly as high of quality you know like they're not triple a level but they're still fun there's a ton like that for Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo obviously is like a AAA company in general, but just saying, you find those examples. I mean, yeah, you, a you lot. still you still get like the the Yoshi games and yeah. I guess like I would sort of like think hey, Yoshi is great. I would sort of think of uh, Octopath Holy a little World. bit. Octopath a little bit in that way. Like I don't know why, but that that is yeah, in my brain. It's sort like, of like a I middle mean, game. Yeah, because it's like it's very much bravely default, but it's not Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. It's not getting quite to that level. And it's not Undertale. Yeah. Yeah, well, Final Fantasy is just very special considering how there have been, like, over 30 actual games if you, you know, count all the sub-ones not named in the main series. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, like, very much, very much Octopath is that that style of RPG. Yep. The very, very throwbacky, right? And then, yeah, you still have, like, stuff like Nino Kuni 2, which I guess is, like, you could argue is the Japanese AAA. Yeah. It is interesting how, you know, uh, something, some of that, I, I also wonder how much Octopath and its success, like it certainly, it is in that middle level. Part of that is who's making it. Yeah. And then part of that is just the amount of sort of marketing oomph behind it where, you know, it's one of the featured games on the Switch yeah. eStore all the time. There's still sort there of there was a lot of talk it. about yep. it. Like it was, yeah. it was pretty heavily advertised. It was the one that like was most blatantly having a demo mm-hmm. and advertised about that on the Nintendo eStore. Oh yeah, and like remember when it was first announced? For the most part, people weren't very excited about it. Yeah, it was like it was very lukewarm. But then like they were like, why is art, this the big one? <laughs> the art style looked real strange, and I think people it grew on people. Yeah, and obviously it's been very popular, and that's awesome. Yep. It's awesome to see that kind of thing that. You know, just to look at it, I'd be like, this is an indie game. Yeah. You know, like if I was just looking at the style, I'd be like, oh, this is something that somebody made as a passion project. That's cool. Yeah, but it's way bigger than that. Obviously, it's much, much bigger than that. But, you know, just to make a quick glance at that, it's sort of interesting that that game has sort of, when I think of middle tier games, quote unquote, I I sort of think of games like Octopath right now. Yeah. And uh, I know... I know everyone's probably expecting this now after I'm like hesitating to say this, but (laughs) (sighs) near automata, it was like 40, $50 when it first came out. It was not a full $60 game. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of fits into that middle tier, right. Of like, it's not, it's the, the strength of near automata was not in its graphics or how pretty it looked. It was in its story, story. and its commentary yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, I thought you were going to go with Persona when you were sort of hesitating No, no. Okay, a bit, Persona, but... Persona's, <laughs> Persona's fucking No, AAA. Persona is huge. That has gonna... put like Atlas into full AAA territory. There is an anime for Persona 5. There, oh, I know. I mean, there's, there's, an, there's oh, an anime for Persona 4 and the sequel Persona 4 <laughs> Golden. Yeah. And like, and the Persona dancing games are all coming out this December. And it's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Yeah, some of it may just be... I love it, but it's ridiculous some of my feeling of that quote-unquote missing middle or whatever i'm feeling with that some of that may just be that a lot of the people who made those middle tier games have upgraded are now 
AAA. Like Witcher 1 used to be one of those games, I yeah. would say. And yeah. now it's... Project Red, they yeah. were totally just a middle middle tier game producer, and now and they're like three came out, and it was like whoa, yeah. And now everyone's like, everything. oh yeah, they're AAA. They've got Cyberpunk coming out. That's yeah. gonna be yeah. Of course they're AAA. It's like nah, they they weren't always they weren't AAA they, until very fucking recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and like I mean, you're always gonna have like the the stand the the mainstays like the Call of Duties, the Battlefields, mm-hmm. the Maddens, Pokemon, the, the Pokemon's, your Pokemans. whatever Bethesda RPG is oh, destroying people's I lives. I mean, yeah, seventy six <laughs> is coming out, so we'll see. Yep. Yeah, ew. You, you know, are we actually gonna talk about any of the games we've been playing recently? Um, uh, I mean, I haven't been could, playing much recently because like there that. have been Sorry no for games the out. Interruption. Uh, we could certainly do that. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sort of with Carlo. It? Yeah. There hasn't been a whole lot. Oh, wait, um, I played Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man. <laughs> Spider Man's been good. Um, you sound I, like a... <laughs> I, it's. I mean, it's it's really good for what it is, but like, what is it? It it's it's a good fucking Spider Man movie. That's like what yeah. it really is. Uh, like, if you took Spider-Man 2 and made it better, you have this game. <laughs> exactly. It's an interactive visual novel. Yeah. All, oh, pretty God, much all Jesus. I've done in terms of gaming is just, like, beat games that are hard. Like, I less, finally less finally beat the darker side in Super Mario Odyssey over PAX. I oh sat gosh. down. I beat it. It felt good. And then I followed that up by beating Celeste. Hooray! Not the B-sides or the C-sides. Okay. Fuck that shit. Yeah, I was going to ask if you did B-side, C-side. I have done... that's real hard. I've beaten one B-side. Not all the golden strawberries. I unlocked all the B-sides and beat the core. But I beat one B-side and I was like, I don't have the patience to do anymore. It's real rough. Yeah. It uh, was. It was just like this is too hard. I like can't. That story. Oh, yeah. it was great. Great game. Love. Really, doing the full really good story. Really like all that frustration kind of builds in like such an appropriate way. Yeah, it's a meaningful frustration. Yeah. It is not like a lot of the other super hard platformers like super where it's just Meat like Boy or yeah, we're I just like be the guy. This is just hard. Yeah. And it just, yeah. but with Celeste, the the difficulty felt like it had meaning. There was story-wise. there was like motivation to finish this. Like I had to. And yeah. they still made it accessible for other people to play it, yes. even if they couldn't, yeah. you know, be yeah. super, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Celeste is, I think it's just a masterful game in a lot of ways. And another hard game, uh, we're not hard, but unforgiving, uh, Hollow Knight. Definitely oh. played a lot of that. Didn't you, Hollow yeah. Knight is really good. It's really good. I can do only so many. Fuck that game. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of very, very difficult indie games right now. And what sucks sometimes. What's really interesting, so like, hard. sort of as thinking about some of these games, like w- with Celeste, Celeste and Towerfall are now big enough that that's sort of pushing that developer. I'm blanking on the name of it, but that's sort of moving them towards that kind of. Mid-tier. I wouldn't. I, T- well, a sort of like low mid. I'm thinking towards yeah. like the tier seven or the team 17 tier. Like, yeah, where, yeah. Like, those games are approaching that kind of overcooked level where people know about them, people are playing them, people are looking forward yeah, to what like, they do next kind of thing. Almost like it's kind of it's kind of I feel where like where like yeah, like soup like as you brought up Super Giant is kind of like firmly in that in that position right now. Absolutely. Oh yeah, like I always look forward um, to what they come out with. Like Yeah. Like what was that one there was like two developers that I think came together, like the nine 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 people, like the Zero Escape people, and the Danganronpa people are like making a super game because those games are like very much very, very visual novel alike, like Japanese mystery horror 
not really no horror, it's but like, like I don't know <laughs> mystery, like mystery, really crazy, eccentric, stylistic shit that's yeah. like super interesting. So like I feel like they're entering that territory yeah. by like com- coming together. We're definitely gonna. I mean, that's sort of the nature of of really any media is you're gonna see people who start out as fairly low level or making one or two things and then if they make good shit they'll work their way up the tiers and then eventually the guy who made celeste is going to just work for you know get acquired yeah they're going to work for ea and be the devil and that's how it works you either live you either die hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain or you sell yourself out stop though It's true. Like, they're like, nope, I'm good. Or you can be like Nintendo and say, we disregard everything else, including our internet service. Yeah. <laughs> or including uh... actually making money. Like, Nintendo, let me give you money. Eh, we're good. Well, <laughs> I mean, the amount of money I'm giving them for Pokemon is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I- I'm so mad about the Nintendo Online, like, terribleness <laughs> on so yep. many levels. Like, why do I need a fucking app? <laughs> I will feel better about it if we all get I a family account. Won't, because then I, it'll be like five I, bucks a year. I already, I already bought an account. But it's the, it's just the, it's just the you like the, the user experience is so terrible. Well, Carlo is a principal yes, human being. Like <laughs> as we've discussed before, we pretty much like love Nintendo's games, but hate basically everything. Everything else. else. Yeah. Yep. And so eventually, all shall become that. Anyway, I think that's pretty much our episode for right now. So thanks again for listening. And, you know, any closing notes from anyone? Uh, Pokemon. Pokemon Go. Announcing new Pokemon. Whoa. Nier Automata was robbed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carlo. All right. Thanks, everyone, Always. for listening. Uh, you know, send us a like. Follow us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. All of that fun housekeeping stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure to do at least one more before Extra Life, right? Yes, we are going to. We're going to get <laughs> back just, on let's schedule. Let's do one during Extra Life. We're going to make. We're going to do Extra Life too. No, we're just going to yeah. make this happen. Yes, we'll be doing Extra Life. So keep an eye out for that. And maybe we should, uh, maybe we should record a podcast during Extra Life. Yeah, That'd be kind of we cool. could. All right. Kind of stupid. Well, like thanks it. so much for listening, folks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.